little closer to New Year's Eve. We're going to be looking back at 2021 and what it meant for the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. If anything, good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The camps that Ben Charrington and Derek Shelton and their respective staffs have been conducting this offseason have involved prospects. Of course they've involved prospects because you can't have major leaguers involved because there's an ongoing lockout. They've called these camps the get-better-at-baseball camps. They had two of them already this offseason. There's supposed to be another one. In January, we'll see if that comes off based on protocols and whatever else. I guess being in Florida, it probably will. And the theme is one that's been consistently spoken from the day that Charrington was hired. His emphasis, above all, was getting better. Acquire players and then make them better. Find players every which way you can, everywhere you can, then make them better. And that's really, to turn that on its head, the number one cause that I had for disappointment through 2021. I didn't see a lot of that. And not just at the Pittsburgh level. There's an inordinate focus when it comes to this type of process on Pittsburgh. I understand what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it, and even to an extent how they're going about it. I get this. Whenever you move players, experienced players, major league players, for high-ceiling type prospects, you're taking a gamble. I think it's a necessary gamble under the extreme circumstances that are put in place by Major League Baseball's ridiculous economic imbalance. But it's still a gamble. You're getting players who can do something special. But what they do isn't as predictable or as repeatable as maybe someone who's a lot safer. It's probably best to think of it if you're going from a hitter standpoint. If you can have a guy who hits 260, 270, pops you, you know, 15 home runs, whatever else. Colin Moran, okay, there's one. Colin Moran was someone you pretty much knew what he was going to be even at a young age. He wasn't going to disappoint you, but he also wasn't going to dazzle you. He was going to be safe. And this is the kind of acquisition, generally speaking, that Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark would make. Because they were afraid of being embarrassed. They were afraid of failing. They were afraid of this risk that I'm describing. So I understand. I understand that progress in a process like this is never going to be linear. It just isn't. At the same time, you want to see some. And... There just wasn't that much. And I'll I'll give it a shot though. I'll give it a shot.
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Progress. Let's see, what constituted progress for the Pirates as an organization in 2021? I'm going to throw out three of them in your direction. All right, three. And I'm going to do them in what I think is the order of importance. Number three would be the team's fielding percentage. And yes, I understand that defensive metrics take on all types of forms that are a lot more sophisticated than whether or not someone was deemed to have recorded an error. But I also saw what I saw, and the Pirates were a very, very good defensive-slash-fundamental team. Now, if you're only watching them casually and all you remember is poor Will Craig chasing down that dude to home plate, then you're going to think they were a train wreck. And I'm sure a lot of people do. When you lose 101 games, you lose all benefit of the doubt, too. So I kind of get that. But the fact of the matter is the Pirates had a gold glove catcher in Jacob Stallings, a gold glove finalist in both Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman. And if we're being honest, with all due respect to Nolan Arenado, Brian Hayes is the best defensive third baseman anywhere, and I have a feeling that's going to rise to the forefront in 2022. So out of your everyday eight, half the team was in gold glove contention, and I'm not even mentioning Adam Frazier because he only spent half the season with the Pirates, but he obviously was a gold glove finalist the previous two years in Pittsburgh. So that's a real thing. Uh, you want there to be such a thing as the Pirates' way. You want the prospects throughout the system to be able to see examples of doing things the right way. Now, the fact that the Pirates couldn't pitch or hit, well, that's why they lost 101 games. But they did make the plays in the field. It was a good, sound baseball team in the field. That was progress. That's a real thing. How much it matters going forward, you know, I guess we'll find out depending on where people end up getting played. And of course, now without Stallings behind the plate, although Roberto Perez has a couple gold gloves to his name as well. Number two will be the prospects themselves. There was some progress within the system. We saw Rowanzi Contreras and O'Neill Cruz both overcome injuries and make it to Pittsburgh very late in the season, as in the final week. But they look like they're a big part of the future, and despite missing the time they did, each of them individually took steps. That's important. Miguel Yahure, I think you could look at his season as more of a sideways thing, because I mean, 
I know I expected him to be in the rotation the whole way through with the off-speed stuff that he's got, but he went back to the minors and then he ran into his own injury issues, so maybe I shouldn't throw him into that even though I have high hopes for him. To Greensboro, where the middle infield of the future is with Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpaguero, Gonzalez just erupted late in the season. Definitely should have been promoted. They wanted to see if they could win a championship with those guys, so they left him where he is. Uh, I, I'm all right with that. You know, no big complaint here. It's not like the difference is that massive from one level of the minors to the next. That was definitely progress. The same could be said for Quinn Priester and some of the pitchers in the Grasshoppers rotation where there's so much hope within the organization. And it's definitely worth mentioning that the high A Marauders uh, won it all as a team, but also had a terrific individual showing from Andy Rodriguez, the catcher that they picked up from the Mets as part of the Joe Musgrove trade. Uh, There's, there were some good things that happened. I don't think it was spectacular or exponential, but it's also worth throwing into that discussion that the system overall shot into almost every top five ranking that there is, in large part because of the remarkable draft that Charrington and his group were able to engineer, headlined by Henry Davis as the number one overall pick. Number one, this is, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let this one even get disputed. This franchise needed in the worst way for Brian Reynolds to show that 2019 was real and that 2020 wasn't. And he did that times 10. What an amazing, amazing summer he had. There needed to be all along in this process an anchor, a star, someone who you could say, hey, look, the Pirates are legit. They have that guy. Maybe it'll additionally be Kebrian Hayes when he has his wrist back to full health and he can resume pulling the ball again. But for 2021, the biggest step that this organization made, and it might not even have been a collective thing, it might just have been Brian Reynolds being as determined as he's known to be, was his showing. And all that's needed in 2022 is a bunch more of that. When we come back, just one question. Q today comes from Kevin, who asks, when the Pirates are ready to go all in to win, what will that look like this time? The last time they won all in still meant reclamation projects and relatively bargain basement free agents. You know, Kevin, I hear this a lot, and I have a feeling this is one of those things that because people say it a lot, they increasingly presume that it's true. But if you take these people 
and now I'm going to make you one of them, my friend, by the hand and walk them through the transaction history from 2012 through 2016, which is that period in there where the Pirates were legit competitive and had the three playoff appearances and everything else. And I start throwing at you names like A.J. Burnett and Russell Martin and Edinson Volquez and Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez and Justin Morneau. These were the types of players that the Pirates were going out and getting. Look, there isn't a bigger critic in town, and they probably never will be now, of Huntington and Stark and the mess that they made of this organization. But for those three playoff appearances, they did exactly what you would want management to do. They added and added significantly. I don't know where you're getting this bargain basement thing. Remember Joaquin Soria coming over? He was Kansas City's closer. This wasn't some garbage. And he came in to do setup for Jason Grilly. That was not some small, let's get someone cheap. In fact, in every one of these cases, every one of these names that I just gave to you, the Pirates gave up very little in return because they were taking on salary. Those are the best baseball transactions you could make because you're not forfeiting your future. You're not giving up prospects. You're keeping all of that stuff on track while you're adding to the team that's right there on the field in front of you that deserved to be added to. Once more, I'm hardly some sort of Huntington slash Stark apologist. I'm the exact opposite of that, but I also believe in being fair. And I don't even know how any portion of this fan base has reached the point of trying to rewrite that history. It's not, it's not an opinion. It's not up for interpretation. It happened. It's right there in black and white. Look up the transactions. Look at who they were. Look at their names. And look at the salaries that were attached to those names in those years. They did it exactly right while, I should add, at the same time, not disrupting what everyone in that clubhouse would tell you was exceptional chemistry within those groups. They were a little bit volatile. They had some very different personalities. They had a personality from a, a kick-ass type like AJ to the, you know, the homegrown go-getter like Neil Walker to the MVP and Andrew McCutcheon to the quiet kind of enigmatic stays to himself, Pedro Alvarez. They had a little bit of everything, but so do most good teams. The only thing that kept those Pirates from winning what they should have won was the obscene wildcard format, which mercifully looks like it's going to be coming to an end with the next collective bargaining agreement. Obviously, you know, seven years too late for the Pirates. 
who won 98 games and had that thrown out because their ace didn't match up to the other team's ace. And their ace, of course, being Garrett Cole at the time. But to try to rewrite that or to repaint that as they didn't do enough, it doesn't add up. There's no, there's no cogent argument that can be made to support that. Rip Huntington and Stark all you want for a bunch of other things. Hell, rip Bob Nutting into infinity, but the payroll went to unprecedented levels in those three years, topping out at $109 million. If he had authorized it to be 150, I mean, I guess you could have gone out and picked up some other ace to handle somebody, but I think a lot of this stems from the way 2015 turned into 2016, which is really when the mistakes were made. A.J. retired. Nothing you can do about that. He was done playing baseball. Not a money thing. He was just done. Jay Happ went to the Blue Jays. I've made the case many, many times. No one was going to outbid the Blue Jays for Happ. They just weren't. The Blue Jays, owned by a phone company, they were all in on him. They were going to, if the Pirates had put in $10, they were going to put in $10.01. That's everything that I heard about that process. The mistake that was made, though, was thinking that you could replace those guys with, you know, John Neese and Ryan Vogelsong and Juan Nicasio trying to become a starter for the first time in his life and all that nonsense. That's the mistake that was made. But don't don't try to rewrite the other the other part of this. Really, it, it's 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 not only unfair, it's it's inaccurate. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do it again tomorrow.